This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and that, of course, means you're listening to another episode of the podcast uh, of the Crowncast podcast. It's not just a podcast. It is, in fact, the Crowncast. And we did, in fact, watch a soccer match. Uh, We understand that if you were one of the people watching Charlotte FC versus DC United, you may have thought that you were watching a massacre. You may have thought that you were watching a Little League baseball team attempt to play football. Uh, All of these things would be considered reasonable thought processes. And here to have reasonable thought processes with me is Ewan. Hello, Ewan. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. Not so happy with the result, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll pick so, it apart and see what happened. I think it's fair to say in this one, guys. This is the post react. This is the emotions. This is the uh, we're not happy. And surprise, surprise, I am personally not super pleased with what we saw today. Ewan, <clears throat> you said something that I really, really liked in the chat after this match. You said the words. Yeah, that's a great way to undo a lot of the good work from last week. To, to go from this team having put together a performance that, that had a script, that followed the script, that worked together, that had a clear definition of how we're going to move the ball into the attack, that used our players where they have the opportunity to go out and win their duels, into right back into the system, into the setup that has failed us for how many games in a row now? Just right back into it. And and legitimately, my brain is having trouble explaining to itself how on earth you do that. How do you go from saying, look, I will take the, the L on my formation for this team to be better. Succeed doing so and then immediately run right back out with the same formation that has been failing you for you to get slaughtered. I mean, is there a thought process here I am not seeing? Um, I mean, they came in with a plan, similar to, similar to last week, uh, they came in with a plan of how they were going to attack uh, the setup of the opposition, um, kind of adjusting what we would ideally like to do and making it so that it attacks their exact weakness. Last week, it was the high line uh that was played and we were saying if we can play it into the space behind uh we'll we'll basically have free access into the box and that's you know how the goal happened uh and the opposition didn't adjust in this game we come against dc uh they play with the uh with the wing back system uh, and about three uh i think it was about three four minutes into the game uh swiderski kind of comes short to awful to bring a centre-half up the field, one of the three, it was a left-sided centre-half, up the field. And then we play it long into the space that he vacates and having the wing-back playing higher up, uh, Gaines gets into a lot of space, gets to the byline, gets a good cross in. Really threatening chance and a better cross probably uh, produces a goal. And then a few minutes later, Swiderski does the same thing to try to pin a centre-half further up the field. And they obviously make the adjustment to stay in this, the same thing that didn't happen. This, that what happened, what didn't happen last week in terms of adjustments, they adjusted this week to what we planned to do, but we just kept on doing what we were doing. We don't really have a counter punch. And that's the worry with Latanzio in terms of the adjustments that people talk about, whether it be adjustments tactics wise, whether it be adjustments with substitutions, we had something that worked. It was adjusted to where it would not work anymore, but we just kept with it. 
and that's why we looked not very threatening at all uh, last night, in my opinion. Yeah, it it did resonate with some of that lack of ability to shift what's going on in the field, uh, inability to adjust on the fly. And it's not like I'm out here telling you that being able to adjust on the fly in such a, well, I'd say in such a complex system, but in a game as complex as this is easy. It's not easy. But Christian Latanzio is also the head coach of a professional MLS team. I mean, that is part of the description of the job, right? Part of the description of the job is to be able to set your team up in a way that they have the ability to go out and succeed. And what would you say for about 20 minutes? We kind of managed to play our game. We managed to get through the midfield. And then that first goal goes in and and it's just fall apart from there. Uh, would you I don't how would you describe what happened after the the, the penalty? Um I don't think the I, I don't think the game was too dissimilar before the penalty and after the penalty in the first half. Um I think I don't think both teams I don't think either team would have been too happy with how they were playing. I think DC was weren't playing the best football, especially in the first twenty. We actually had quite a lot of the ball. I think a graphic came up that we'd completed about I think 130 passes when I think they had about fifty. Um which would indicate that we were kind of dominating the game without creating too many chances. Um but I think what the problem for us was a lot of the off-ball stuff that we were doing, a lot of the pressing that we do, um, it it broadcasts the answers to the test for them in build-up in a way that is going to really harm us going forward. And I think on a better, with an opposition better, uh, playing better, and on a field that was would maybe have been in better condition because the grass last night was, it, it didn't look like a good pitch at all. Maybe with them playing better on a better field, they play through us a lot easier. Um, but I think that's kind of to describe the first half as a whole. It was one team that looked like they had a second gear in DC, but was just struggling to get there, and another team who looked like they've looked all season yep. with not a lot of in possession ideas. And anyone who was watching that game and knew what DC were capable of and knew what we were capable of would have been like, "Yeah, this first twenty minutes hasn't been great for DC." But they've got they've got gears to go here, whereas Charlotte are giving DC probably their best punch and doing a lot of the things we've become accustomed to watching from them. And that's kind of how it ended up turning out with the result. They kind of weathered the storm the first 20, and then the penalty happens. Marks kind of gets a little unlucky with it, but then it becomes even more comfortable for them after that, and especially in the second half, really comfortable. Yeah, it... At, certainly in the second half, they were, uh, they looked like they were playing a lower division team. Now, I, I think there are a couple of caveats that we have to put out here. Obviously, the position of uh, left center back uh, in this team has, for some reason, been cursed by the gods. I don't know why the gods were so intent on that position being a horrible, horrible place that only brings about sadness, but you know, Derek Jones, unfortunately has to uh, pick up the badge, if you will, and slide into that position for this one gives away a penalty. It's a penalty given away by a defensive midfielder. Who's used to being able to go challenge for the ball. And he did it in the box. Like nothing about this is 
super special uh, analytics or anything. Derek Jones is somebody who's used to being able to stick his foot in. You cannot do that as a central defender. He sticks his foot in, he trips a guy, he gives away a, a penalty. Penalties usually get scored. We go on and run on. I think that even with all these caveats, even with the fact that we have now lost Kamal Yuzriak, who was looking like our hottest attacking player, this one's still bad. I mean, this one is really, really, really bad from my perspective. And I will rewatch this later, and maybe that perspective will change. But I am really down on this team right now. And if you're, and I think I want to use my voice to say, if you're a fan of Charlotte FC, it's okay to be down on the team. It's okay to love this team and look at it and go, I don't think this team is good enough. It's okay to love this team and be angry at this team. It's okay to, to, to look at this team and go, I want to proudly wear the Charlotte FC badge. And right now I'm not proud and I'm pissed. Now, obviously, uh, I would encourage you all, if you have those emotions, to to put them out into a, the world in a way that is is fair and not demeaning to others. But yeah, I think it would be ridiculous at this point in time in the season to look at this team and be, oh, everything's happy-go-lucky, everything's great, everything, oh, this team's got a bright future in front of us. It doesn't. Right now it looks bad. And with the way that things have been happening in the back room, with the the domino of player effects that appear to be coming out with Adam armor getting let go, which we'll talk about on Wednesday uh, with the attempt to remove Andre Shinishiki. This looks really, really, really bad. And uh, I'm going to you and I'm going to ask you this before we move on to our crowns and cards. And I think we are going to give away crown just because I think that we do need to bring some positive light into this. I think that was the game that made me say I'm done with Christian Latanzio. Uh, I think that was the one where I have seen enough now. That I don't see process. I, I don't see a a point from which he returns. Certainly not with the squad he currently has. Uh, I I think I'm I'm finally on the let's let's move on from this project thoughts. Uh, Ewan, where would you say you are on the the Latanzio position? I think the biggest question you have to come up, you know, when you when you're debating a manager like this, it's it's always a case of okay, if results aren't going our way, we're we seeing progress in other ways. Are we playing well? Are certain things working? Is you know, are we maybe if you look at the XG something like that? Maybe are we looking for some is some positive regression coming our way? I think the biggest question for Latanzio now is that he came in as someone who'd never been a head coach last season and got that experience. And now somehow this season, we look worse. That would be the question I think you'd have to ask. I don't, I don't know who you, whether you could ask it directly to the club or, or if it's just kind of something that you're debating with someone who's maybe Latanzio in. But that would be the ultimate question. Like how with, how with a pre-season and how with a a transfer window with some good players brought in um how how are we worse now with you having more experience as a coach and having more time with these players than we were last season when you came in in a circumstance which i don't think anyone saw coming where miguel angel ramirez is is sacked i think maybe about three months into the season and he comes in as a sort of 
someone who was popular with the players just kind of steered the ship to the end of the season and it got to the point where oh, the players like him, the results are good, quite like the football, quite interesting. So he gets a full-time head coaching job and now it just seems like it's got worse. I think whether it'd be Latanzio in or out, I, I, wasn't too big, I wasn't too keen on him getting the job permanently in the first place. Um, but now it's a case of patience with him and I think we're probably looking at a spell here where they will set out the next five games uh, with a points target in mind that if we don't reach, they'll probably have to make a decision. And I say those, I say those next five games because in those next five games, we have the Atlanta game, which is obviously a big deal. Uh, we have the home game against New York City. We have the home game against Chicago. And that's a lot of games against teams between sort of well that's that's games between teams in that sort of 10th to 3rd 4th in the table space where we would i think hope to be coming into the season best case scenario maybe we finish 4th worst case scenario that have been thinking you know just outside the playoff spots i think if we don't get results in those next 5 games i think they'll probably look to make a decision that would mean moving on from him and me personally, I don't think I would disagree with that much. Yeah, I think I'm hoping they look to make that decision. Uh, I think that inaction on the club's part is going to further, and this isn't, you know, directly re- related to re- Latanzio only. And maybe you know what? Let's let's take this. I think it's fair to say that I am frustrated with the way that the team was set up. I don't necessarily want to dive too deep into this until Wednesday. Uh, I think that we can go over this a little bit more in depth Wednesday on what we would expect, how we would expect if there is going to be a transition, what it could look like, stuff like that could be safe for a later day. Let's, let's go into the players and let's talk about our crowns and cards. Uh, Ewan, would you like to give away crowns first so we can sort of try and be a little bit positive or would you like to start with cards and then end on the high note? Um, I mean, it's it's kind of it's almost harder to give away the cards because there's there's quite a there's a few candidates. Whereas with the crown, it kind of <laughs> it sticks out who you could maybe give a little bit of a uh, a nod to from that game last night um, in terms of performing well. Uh, so I think maybe if we start with the positive and then kind of I think if we talk about the uh, the cards, then we'll that'll probably get more into the the meat of what went wrong, um, which. Maybe well, it'll be uh, a more cathartic for the <laughs> for people than hearing about the uh, the the few players who did a little bit of good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's certainly going to be cathartic for me. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take host <laughs> privilege and I'm going to do the first one and I'm going to do this just because we've already talked about him. My card is to Christian Latanzio, uh, zero out of ten, maybe not a zero out of ten. Two out of ten was not impressed. Uh, for all the reasons we've already listed and for reasons that we'll probably go into in great length on Wednesday. Um, Chris Latanzio, uh, I have, I have reached frustration point with, with this manager. And I think that means it is fair that it's a card from me. Uh, let's skip ahead. Cause I think we both talked about him and go straight on to your first card. Ewan. Yeah, I mean, just to add just an, another thing on Latanzio that I, I forgot to mention when talking about it uh, just now. I think with head coaches, you kind of, you would ideally have them be great at everything, but in certain 
levels of the game, you're almost going for a certain type of manager. And and one of them can be a, sort of a, a more tactic side manager. And one of them can be sort of a more player friendly manager. With Latanzio, we were kind of sold that this is the kind of player friendly manager because he was very popular with the players beforehand and because of his assistant coaching background, he's a great player developer. He's a really good talent developer. And I think one of the things that you would have to say is if we've been sold him as a you know a good players coach, assistant coach background, can develop talent, you would have to ask who's got better this season under his coaching compared to what we thought of them coming into the season. That's one thing. And the second thing is if you're the players coach who everyone likes, why is there so much chaos going on with all these players? Why are players being sent to Crown Legacy? Why are we trying to get rid of loads of players? Why has Adam Armour been uh, just released? It's And this might not be stuff to do with Latanzio. This might be personal stuff related to the players themselves. I know that that's been rumoured and probably try not to get into that until stuff is, is confirmed on that. But it just seems like for a player's coach, there's a lot of chaos <laughs> in the squad. Uh, yeah, I thought that was just something that would be... Uh, uh, worth adding uh, to the Latanzio conversation at large. Um, but in terms of a card, I think the first card probably... I mean, the thing that sticks out to me from this game is that Swinerski and Capetti did not have one pass completed between them. And I don't yeah, know who to card for that. That's less than ideal. <laughs> yes. And I'm not... And I'm, and I'm, I was trying to decide... <laughs> who to who to actually take a card for I that? Mean, I mean, I can tell you who I would give the card to for that, but ultimately, I mean, I, do you want my <laughs> do you want my input here? Well, it's interesting because I know you're not as high on Swiderski, but at the same time, I know Capetti took quite a lot of uh, grief last night, so yeah. I imagine it'll be Swiderski. But it's actually not from me; it's Capetti, um, and I <clears throat> I can tell you why. But ultimately, you have to card who you want to card. <laughs> I would well. I would probably agree. I, I was going to say it's probably Capetti, but I was I was fearful that that maybe showed some favoritism on my part. But <laughs> you you said it now, so I can I, I'll 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 go with it. It was yeah, yeah. a uh, you. I, I mean, let's be honest. After that performance, go ahead, studs up, <laughs> two feet high, go into it, send off. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough because you have to kind of balance whether it was his fault individually why things didn't go well or whether it was the tactics of the team that was so focused on building up down the wings that left him quite isolated but at the same time even in a game where things aren't going your way to be to just seem so feeble in a lot of what you do is um is what's really frustrating because We've, it's frustrating that we've seen from him before that he can be someone who, when he isn't getting the ball in front of goal, can still really affect the game. He can press really well. He has great hold-up. It's everything that we got last week from him. We didn't get uh, in that game last night. And you just, you know, you, you wonder where's that where's that player gone? Is it the circumstances of not getting the ball and, and being behind in the game that mean that it's, it's almost a bit of a throwing the toys out the pram situation? Because... It's it's tough. It's tough with him. There's just a lot about him that I I understand why a lot of people don't. He's not their t- he's not their kind of player. He had a moment in the second half where he was he was down with you know not an injury but a tackle had gone in on, on him and he was rolling around a lot and there was a lot of the screaming stuff that I know people don't like. I kind of just see that as more you know some some players have that some players don't but I know that irritates people. But yeah, it's just. 
to get what we got last night from him compared to what we got last week was just really disappointing. And maybe there's a maybe there's a lot of that on the tactics that we had that, like I say, hyper focused wide build up which isolated the two strikers. But at the same time, even in a game where you you you're so isolated, you you just have to offer more when you get the opportunity to. Yeah, I, I think you're you're still being too polite about it. Enzo Capetti is supposed to be the head of this team. He's supposed to be the point of the spear, and part of his role when he when we are trapped, when we don't have a way out, he's supposed to be a way out over the top. He one of the things that everyone said coming in is in a counterattack or when we have the chance to go over the top, he wins those balls. He wins them, he holds them up, or he takes them on the turn and runs and creates threat. And he didn't do any of that. Um, he We have now seen him work successfully in tandem with Carol Swiderski when they were both playing together very close. But other than that, we did not see him create a way for for us to break out of DC's press we did not see him successfully receive the ball over the top. We did not see him take a long ball under his wing and get a single pass to the man who was probably closest to him for most of it in Carol Swiderski. Not a good performance. Not a good performance. Uh, let's start to move on, and I'm going to go into my next card. And my next card is going to be a little bit harsh, but I think that it needs to be said. Uh, my card is going to be for Ashley Westwood. And my my card towards Ashley here is not as much a um, matter of, I expect this guy to be perfect. I don't. This was, I believe, his first game back from injury. To, to see him on the field in that position, again, kind of pressed into service at that defensive position concerned me when we saw it first it concerned me as a matter of injury and second it concerned me as a uh matter of he doesn't have the help there he would normally expect and then the game started playing and i saw that he had brant bronico staying back with him in sort of a two and i said okay that makes more sense he's got brant with him he's not going to have to be the legs his job is going to be distribute out of the midfield right that one guy above our defense who can and will move the ball forward through a press. Except he wasn't able to move the ball forward through a press. In fact, he wasn't able to move the ball forward at all. Uh, I There are probably a couple examples of times in this match where he had a very successful pass, but I kept seeing a pass that was attempted to move forward go directly to DC. And then I'd look back and I went, oh my gosh, that was from Ashley Westwood. Like of all the people on the field who should be hitting the ball, at least to a place that, uh, you know, Charlotte FC player has a chance at it. It's Ashley Westwood is who I would be expecting to be able to achieve this. And he just kept giving the ball away in the midfield. This is the guy who, in my opinion, his job, his one role was distribute through the press and, and it's a hard hard job again hard job but it's a hard job that was not achieved today uh Ewan thoughts on Ashley and his ability or inability to move the ball upfield yeah I think um 
I mean, I suppose it goes back to the uh, this this idea of being focused on building up wide because a lot of what he's doing, you think with a kind of holding midfielder, they want to you want them to you want them to go very deep. You want them to be always open to receive the ball. You want them to be playing with purpose to you know get the ball off the toes of the centre halves and play it forward. In this game, him and Bronico in early build up, their responsibility was to was to stay inside and not really show for the ball. All with the purpose of kind of pinning the midfield of DC so that when we play out wide to the fullback, they have as much space as possible to play that long ball down the line uh, into that area that we talked about earlier, where you're getting in between a centre-half who's who's pinned upfield by a striker or a wing-back who's playing a little further forward so there's more space in behind him. So there may be a tactical element of, of that in the fact that Westwood was basically told not to really get involved in the build-up and just to stay inside with Bronico, pin that midfield so that we have a free so that the fullback is free with no pressure on him to deliver the ball down the line as accurately as possible and without the uh, chance of it being you know blocked or the play being tackled etc but at the same time even in his moments like you mentioned there when he was on the ball it just didn't look great he struggled a lot in terms of progressing the ball forward when he had the opportunity to and it's those moments that you say just a lot of them ended up with <laughs> just a lot of them ended up with with DC he had the ball tried to play it forward and they got the ball in a turnover and it does kind of make you wonder going back to last week where things look so good we obviously had to change certain things because of injuries but would there not have been a way to have just kept that Jones and Bronico midfield together you know we Nathan Byrne played center back before it didn't go great but just for the sake of keeping the midfield together, would have been would it have been worth doing that? Not only to keep a winning midfield together that looked good, but also Westwood coming back from injury, would it have been worth just giving him that extra week? Maybe. Um, I th- yeah, it's it's it tough. F- it felt like a tough return to the team. Yeah, it, it was not an inspiring performance on returning to the team uh, for a guy who's supposed to be sort of a, a big a big head, an image, a a name in the team that's supposed to bring about calm and control. I didn't see the calm and control today. Um, thoughts from you, Ian, uh, you and final card. Excuse me. I think for the final card, I think, I think, I think Harrison awful had a really bad game. Yep. I think he struggled a lot. I think he, again, similar to Westwood, a lot of the passes were off with him. I think he struggled athletically covering the amount of space that he had to because we were sti- We went back in the second half to more more of that inversion that we've seen from him, him going inside into the midfield. I think due to the game state, us needing a goal, we went back to that. And I think it, he was struggling to cope with that in the second half, maybe due to the fact that we're getting into this season now and we're putting a lot of miles on an older player who we weren't expecting to play a lot. And now we're getting into the games here and he's played a lot of minutes and it might be starting to take a toll on, on, on him in terms of staying up to the, to the game speed required. And I just think in that game, we saw a lot of the issues of what it's like to have a right footed left back when they invert so much it's not so difficult coming into the midfield obviously and we did see a little bit of that but that first half there really wasn't any you know there wasn't much inverting from him at all so you see him in build up in those more conventional left uh, left back spots and it just the angles that he's able to pass to people at they just that you can just see how awkward it looks yeah there's no way forward 
No, no. It's always there's the turning inside. There's the it, you see it sometimes maybe at like, and this will sound maybe a little harsh, but you get it sometimes at, at more sort of junior levels of the game where someone is really adamant that they're going to use their strong foot and they like twalk their body in a really awkward way to make sure that they're kicking it with a strong foot. And there was a moment like that from from uh, from Harrison Offal in this game where it just it just looks so awkward that he was using his right foot in that in, in that area and he's just i mean he's a it, 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 that sounds harsh but at the same time he is a right back yeah. <laughs> he's, he's being not, played he's not a, yeah. a left back by trade no uh, no he's being played left back due to a, a a major major lack of help at that position so it's almost similar to Derek Jones even though we're more su- we're more used to Harrison Offal playing left back than we are Derek Jones playing center back but again it's just come across it, 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 the reason they're playing there is because of you know desperation due to the fact that we just don't have depth at the position well i will tack this on here because since since we are so desperate in that position it is surely a good thing that we have just let a 20 year old left back go um (laughs) you know in the position that we are just absolutely devoid of the ability to play people in uh yeah so maybe the uh, maybe the awful card fits in alongside (laughs) maybe the maybe the awful card should actually be a card for people higher up in the club for the yeah. fact that he is not only like not only playing there but he's the first choice <laughs> he, he is the first choice regularly and yeah uh, so awful was not good in this and i considered him for a card and the reason i didn't do it is i feel like we know who harrison awful is now and honestly he played like harrison awful he is not fast he can be very technical on the ball, but he likes to try and spin people. He likes to try and take a man. And I'll be perfectly honest here. I don't think he has the technicality to do that in the deep midfield, which is where he's trying to invert. He gets he gets beaten or outsmarted too many times, and then he does not have the ability to recover back at speed. And I think his positioning there is a lot of what is causing us to lose the ball in very dangerous areas because once he gets up onto that left wing, he is so easy to close down. One, he doesn't have the speed to burst away from you, so you know he's not going to try and burst away up the line. And two, because he is so right-footed, all you have to do is kind of stand in the way of the angle (laughs) of the right-footed pass forward, and he has nothing, right? He cannot beat you for speed. He's not going to take you for pace. He is... If you dive in on him, he does have the skill occasionally to turn the ball away from you and push past you. But if you don't dive in on him, if you just pressure him, he is the easiest press trigger in the MLS. I mean, it's it's genuinely silly. One person can cover 60 degrees, 70 degrees of pass angle from him between the byline to to the midfield, and he has nowhere to go but backwards. And once that's happened... It's done. Once that's happened, everybody else just closes down the other options in that area, including a Derek Jones being played out of position. And that press, you are never going to, to beat that press at that point in time. Um, it really, it really is challenging for me because this is a guy being played out of position, but he is not playing the ball well through the defensive midfield. And he is not managing the wing. And he is not managing the left back role of handling speedy wingers. So he's just in 
He's just in a place that his body can't keep up with, and it shows. The best I have seen of Harrison Awful is when we get the team pressed so far up, he's actually playing in the high attacking midfield role. And the reason is because in that high attacking midfield role, people will dive in for the ball. They'll try and get the ball off of you with a little bit more force. And then Harrison Awful can use that wit and that guile and that uh, understanding of the game to, to turn past people who are overcommitted and open up a chance to attack. And weirdly, it was a couple games ago, we saw him do this really, really well, high up the field. And I think that was an aha moment for me where what he does does not transition to the defensive side of the field. It's too risky in the midfield when he inverts. And it's too simple, and he doesn't have the tools on the outside. Really, really frustrating. But at the same time, I know who he is. It feels it feels rough for me to keep sort of banging on that drum. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. The card the card is 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 fairly harsh, and maybe it's more representative of it's a, it's sort of a layered card because it represents <laughs> other other things that just aren't going right with the club. Um, and yeah, he is someone who's who's taken some, uh, you know, he, he's he's taken some negativity from the fan base in the past. But I, th- I think this season there's been some general generally quite positive uh response to his performances because he has played well but that just today almost seemed like one of the answers you can come away with was that in that game the fullbacks played a lot more conventionally so if that's going to be the game plan why why not play joseph Moore in these games and then in the games where you want to play with that uh fullback uh inverted then you can go with harrison awful yeah maybe that's maybe that's a solution from this but again it's um Joseph Moore is is also someone who people don't feel overly confident about. So, yeah, there's okay, always let's... a chance that the solution isn't on the on the team. Yeah, let's speed our way through a couple of crowns here, um, just so we can end on a bit of a positive note. You want the first crown, or should I take the first one? Um, I mean, I'm happy to. Uh, I'm happy to take the first crown. Awesome, grab it. I thought, and I'll, I'll take the first crown. Obviously, I know you've got. Uh, your, your own thoughts on on him and kind of the current situation, but I thought uh, Adelson Malonda was uh, was was very good in this game, given the circumstances and the difficult circumstances that he had to play in. He has a new centre back partner for this game. He kind of has a little bit of what's become a rotating door to the side of him at right back, and he's just he's just very very consistent compared to the rest of the team defensive wise i think without him there if we didn't make that signing <laughs> there's a chance that things would be even worse which is well i don't think there's a chance i think they would definitely be worse and that's kind of scary to think because of how bad they already are i think he was uh, i think he was good at dealing with the ball going into space i think he was good in in uh, in his duels and I think in build-up, even though there wasn't a lot for him to do, I think he just kind of did his, did what was required of him. I think he was... It's funny because I think he was just kind of like a 7 out of 10 in that game. I think he just played kind of pretty well, decent performance. But compared to the rest of the team, I think he he, <laughs> he just looked head and shoulders above everyone else. And 
yeah, I think after maybe a little bit of a rough start to this season, he's finally getting back to the player that we believed him to be coming into the season. I was impressed by him in a game where there wasn't a lot of players impressing. Yeah, uh, I, I think he's another, I think he's a good shout out. Um, I think he's a very good player. I think defensively he has a fairly impressive amount of tools. I have a bit of concern that we have, we have, there's the phenomenon in the work world where <laughs> the the penalty for being good at your job is you get to do other people's jobs. <laughs> and uh, I really am concerned that that is what is happening to Adils and Melanda. I think that there's just sort of a, an expectation now that he will be a, a right back. He'll be a, he'll be both center backs and yeah. occasional he'll, he'll even go cover the left and he'll also step up into the defensive midfield. And he's also going to be the guy who will, when we do have a high line run back and take the duels. Oh, and he's also going to be the guy who bombs up the sideline. And he's also going to be the guy who is running on to uh, balls for Enzo Capetti to drop off and score. Actually, we're just going to let him play the whole team. Like, <laughs> I, I'm starting to get frustrated because I think this is how you burn out players. When you have a good player and you look at them and you go, well, and again, there's understanding here, right? Because very unfortunately, the position behind, beside him is stopgap for stopgap for stopgap. Um, the two wings on the outside of him are two very slow players who he has to cover for. And Derek Jones, if he's going to continue to fill into that slot, Adilson Melanda is going to have to hold up. He's going to have to prop up part of the tent for him as well because he's not a central defender. And sooner or later this team is going to realize Adilson Melanda has two hands and two feet and can only hold up so many tent poles, right? Sooner or later, the tent's going to fall down. And when that tent falls down, Adilson Melanda is going to go, I'm out of here, guys. I'm gone. I can't do this. And that will be a, a tragedy for Charlotte FC because I think that if his job is his job and not everyone else's, he is a really, really, really talented young defender who can win duels, who's got his head on his shoulders, who checks his lines really well, and who does not let people run off of him. And that is a special player in any league, especially the MLS. Um, final thoughts on that, Ewan, and then uh, we'll move on to mine. Yeah, I think you touched on a really good point in terms of how much responsibility he has on on the field. I think our, our build-up setup and, and thus what becomes our rest defense setup is a 2-3 where you have two defenders nearest to the goal and then three in front of them uh, in the build-up. And I've argued before that it should be reversed and it should be three in that defensive final line with two in front building up. Reason being, and I think the reason why we do it is because we, we play with those only two because the argument they would say is, well, we've got Adelson Melanda. Look at how much space he can cover. Look at how quick he is. But the reality is just because he can do that it doesn't necessarily mean that he should be doing that. It doesn't mean that you can't look to improve that and bring in support because you're asking him to do a lot. And even though he can, that doesn't mean he's going to be able to every single time. And it's just, it, it's putting a lot on his on his plate and, and include the fact that 
when the other team is in deep build-up, we like to bring our a winger inside to pressure a centre back sometimes with a full back pushing on to to their to their full back, leaving the winger to be covered on that side if it's on that given side by Melander. So he's <laughs> when they're in their build-up from deep, not only does he have to cover all this space in behind in certain circumstances, but he also has to press up on wingers sometimes in their own half. So it's a really good point that you bring up that there's just a lot on his plate and he can manage it because he's really talented. But that doesn't mean that this is the optimum way to be using him. You need to have more support around. You need to, you know, I don't know whether simplify is the right word, but just you just need to create better structure around him to make sure that there's just not so much, so much dependent on him, even though he is, like we say, a really, really good player already. Yeah, it comes down to the most basic statement of a football team is 11 players and a deal Melanda cannot be all of them. Um, or maybe a better way to say it is a defense is you know, like five to eight players, depending on how you're defending, and a deal Melanda cannot be all of them. Let's move on. I'm going to go into my crown and you uh, and I think this one is going to surprise you. Uh, maybe this one will surprise the listeners. Let's let's spice it up a little bit. My crown is going to be Carol Schwederski. Um, a lot of people know that I'm not a huge Carol Schwederski fan, uh, that I have concerns about how he can play one-touch football and how, especially in front of goal, he can, get a sh- can fail to get a shot away. One of the things that I love about footballers, I love seeing footballers address their weaknesses. Right, it, it shows a mentality, a, a desire to get better, a willingness to listen to coaches. It means that there is a a fire in that player that says, "I might not be it yet, but I can be." And I'm starting to see that out of Karol Swiderski. He is taking up, he is learning positions that are a little deeper in the midfield. I still have some issues with specifically how we're moving the ball through there, but that's Wednesday stuff. He is turning quickly. He's using, he's starting to use his skills of turning the ball, one touch playing more effectively and in areas that aren't dangerous, right? He's starting to use his one touch. Let's see if I can break through a line skill stuff on the wings. He's starting to move outside away from the sort of defensive center of the pitch and use that in a position that if it doesn't come off, Yes, there's a transition, but it's not a transition straight at our central defense. He's starting to make runs that uh, allow him to be available in times that can give support to his teammates. And I think that this is a team that struggles with supporting their teammates. Uh, his work rate and his I'm going to go at this is still everything it's ever been. When we were down 3-0, the guy who was still running was Carol Schwederski. Carol was the guy busting his ass to go out there and say, maybe you win the battle, but I'm not giving up. And especially considering the fact that he found himself in some good positions and looked like he was going to make some real good early on in this game, I think that deserves a shout-out because I see growth, I see progress, and I see threat out of Carol Swiderski, and that is what I want to see. Uh, you in thoughts on Carol? Yeah, it was a um well firstly it's it's very good to hear. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's music to my ears as you know. Um but yeah, I think I think you I think you're spot on with that. 
uh, assessment and it almost makes it more frustrating and again we'll go back to the wide build-up that we focused on on this game because we had a game here where it looked like Swiderski was on it and even as a big fan of him I'll admit that there's games where you'll come out of the uh, come away from the 90 minutes and think he just didn't have it in that game whether it was he was in his own head whether it wasn't structured well for him just those games where He's trying passes which are going wayward. Those big forty-yard crossfield balls, just you know, times where sometimes he'll, you know, try some hero ball and try to take on a load of players. You can see that frustration playing in his style. I don't think that was the case in this game, and because we decided to build up the way we did with those balls down the line, going from fullback to winger, not really doing much in the centre of the field for a lot of the game, it does make you wonder. You know, did we did we just kind of waste a game where Carroll was on it? If we'd have just played similarly to other games and got him more involved, even though he, you know, he he was he did a good job of getting himself involved, even though it wasn't structured that way uh, exactly. It does make you wonder if we just you know just try playing it down the middle a little more often, or even if we just want to play directly from fullback into him down the line, give him that freedom as the guy playing off of Capetti to just kind of play from wing to wing directly down the wing rather than just offering us that triangle inside. Would we have got more joy attacking-wise? And I think it's likely that we probably would have done because it would have been hard to have set up in a different way and get less attacking joy than we did in that game. Um, how how well stated is that? It would have been yeah. hard to get less attacking joy. Exactly, exactly. And we nearly, I mean, at 0-0, we, we nearly had a moment where uh, Capetti flicks the ball inside. Swiderski uh, plays a really good through ball into Vargas, who has a chance to get his first touch right, play it across the face of goal. Capetti's there for a, uh, for a really good chance. Um, and maybe on another day that goes well and we take the lead and things go in a different path. But that is really, really wishful thinking. But I only bring that up to say that, you know, even in a game where we didn't have a lot of joy attacking-wise, we still got one of those really cool moments from Swiderski where he plays a pass and you think, yeah, he's probably the only guy in the team who's got that in his locker. So, yeah, I thought in a tough game, he... I mean, you mentioned it. The engine that he has is superb. It's It's from the first minute to either the 90th minute or the minute Latanzio decides to, uh, to take him off the field. It's, uh, he's, he's all go. He's all go. He's all in. And yeah, I, uh, I agree with you on that one. Yeah. He, he, he earned himself a, a crown for me today in a, a game that probably doesn't deserve a ton of crowns, but I did want to shout him out. I am going to go ahead and wrap this up. We went way long on this one, but I think it was a bit of catharsis for everyone. Certainly <laughs> it was a bit of catharsis for me. Uh, really quickly, in one sentence, you have one sentence to give me your final thoughts on this match. That's tough. <laughs> maybe that, maybe, maybe that could was, that, was, was that it? Was was the sentence? That's tough. I think. Uh, I think. That, I think that's probably. I think that's probably about as good as it's uh, as it's going to get from me as far as a sentence to sum it up. I think. Yeah, in one sentence. Yeah, that's, that's tough. tough. <laughs> All right. Uh, my my sentence to take us home or my thoughts to take us home are going to be uh, now it's all uphill. Uh, for Latanzio, for the players, for the fans, for the club, a lot of the goodwill is lost. Uh, I think that for a lot of people, they're ahead of me in this 
but it's it's uphill now and that's a hard slog so uh, if you've decided to spend your time with us we love you if you would like to find us online you can find us at on instagram at the underscore crown underscore cast you can find us on twitter at the underscore crown cast and if you'd like to uh, go read some of the awesome stuff that ewan and josh do on the website you can find that at crowncast.net and with that we will talk to you all again when we break all of this down on Wednesday. Goodbye. Queen City Podcast Network.com.